Welcome to The Courage Effect. I'm Suzanne Weller, and this is a show about growth and unleashing what's possible. You will hear inspiring stories about what courage looks like, how we navigate what's getting in our way, and the opportunities that surface when we choose courage over comfort. Let's get started. Hey, everybody, it's Suzanne. Welcome to The Courage Effect. I'm thrilled to have you here today. And our guest is someone that she is a New Yorker. Well, she spends part of her time in New York. And as somebody who is a former New Yorker um, and somebody who's really been in the hustle and grind, which we're going to be talking about today, I am very much looking forward to this conversation. My guest today is Sarah O'Brien Hammond. As an entrepreneur, Sarah O'Brien Hammond is a community creator, life and career coach, and recruiter. She creates safe and judgment-free containers for women to gather and talk about the things that matter most. In her coaching practice, Sarah works with high-performing women who don't feel aligned, meaning inspired, motivated, challenged, or purposeful, with the work that they are doing or the life that they are living. She supports women in designing their dream life and career gaining the confidence to go after it, and creating the roadmap to get there. She is also passionate about ditching the hustle and grind mentality and achieving success differently. She spends her time between the Big Apple and Vermont with her two teen daughters, husband, and French bulldog champ. Sarah, it's wonderful to have you here. Welcome to The Courage Effect. Thank you so much, Suzanne. Pleasure to be here. Excited to talk to you today. Uh, and you as well. So I know that a big part of your life over the past few years was, as you said, sort of ditching the hustle and grind mentality and really having the job or the courage to leave a job that wasn't enough. Talk to us a little bit about that. Sure, sure. So yeah, I think that we as a society look at change as something that happens super quick, right? I think that we are told change happens quickly. We want change to happen quickly. We want to lose that weight. What's the magic drug? Like, what can we do? And I, I think we need to talk more about actually how long it takes to gain the courage, the nerve, the resources, the information, all of that. And, and that was actually my story. And I had about seven years ago, a situation, and I, I think it was a compounding of things that made me wake up one day and look at my husband and say, I don't want this marriage anymore. I don't want these kids anymore. I don't want this life anymore. And, you know, that was years and years of living in New York City and this hustle and this achieving success at all costs and sacrificing yourself and your relationships and everything for the sake of success. Because success is the pinnacle, right? That's what we're all after. And I was really subscribing to society's definition of success, which was money, power, and influence. And I was drinking it up, Suzanne. And I realized that wait a minute, those actually aren't my core values. Now, I realized that much later then that morning that, that that I woke up and said to my husband, I'm not happy. That, that came later. So that's sort of what I really want your listeners to, to hear is that I woke up one day. I'm like, I don't want this. I don't want this. I don't want this. From that point forward, I started doing the work because I knew I, I of course, I wanted my husband and my family. I, I didn't, I wanted my life. I didn't want my life the way that I was living it at that time. And so that is what put in motion. And thank the good Lord, I have a husband that turned to me when I said that and said, wait a minute, 
what do we need to do? Let's figure this out. And and I, I'm so thankful. And to this day, you know, really just thank him profusely because he could have said, all right, let's bail. Let's do this. And he didn't. And he said, let's figure this out. And, and that was one of my first teachers, right? Is like, let's figure this out. And so with his help and with his support, I just started seeking all the guides and the seekers and the coaches and the healers and anything that I could get my hands on to start doing the work, which would take me five years to actually jump off the cliff. Yeah. A powerful story. Um, and recognizing your husband for being in that space with you and holding space and really wanting to support you through it. Um, and the whole idea of like, you know, I mean, jumping, jumping off the cliff. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So, but you're right. There is no pill for courage and there is no quick fix for a lot of these things. And I mean, five years is a long time. And I have a lot of respect for you for having the courage to see that out. Mm. Yeah. Well, I think that it's very hard, right? Like it's, it's, there's fear and there's limiting beliefs and there's imposter syndrome and there's golden handcuffs. And there's all these things that hold you hostage. And unless you're willing to really look inward and Suzanne, that's, that's courage. That's courage to look inward, to say, what is it? What are you running from? Why are you moving 5 million miles per hour? Why don't you ever sit still? Why is it that you are out for as much money as you can make? Where is the scarcity mindset coming from? And so you really have to look inward. And and that could be the most trying part of the process is to really take a look in the mirror and say, wow, like I'm responsible for the way I'm living my life. And I'm also responsible for the changes I want to make. Yeah. And you stepping into making those choices for yourself, new choices for yourself. New choices without change. There is no change, which is a a saying I repeat on a regular basis with my clients, right? It's like, you have, we have to do something different. And I think part of it, Suzanne, in those five years is I was resistant I was, there was a lot of resistance because I was making a lot of money and I had a lot of things and I was doing a lot and I was going on vacation and I was living a quote unquote great life. Well, the reality of it was, is that I wasn't living a great life. I was not happy. I felt lonely. I felt completely disconnected from myself. And so it's really hard when society is trying to control you and we live in a consumeristic and in, in, culture that's like buy 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 consume 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 don't look inward don't look inward because when you look inward you you might be told you don't need that because we actually don't right we don't need all these things um they're nice to have i'm not suggesting these things aren't nice to have um i love vacations i love nice bags um with that being said they don't they don't they serve a certain purpose and so i recognize it's not going to be a solution to me it's good for me rather it's going to be a nice um, nice to have and so yeah those five years was really a lot of soul searching a lot of you know i'm going to do this and then i'm not going to do it and then i'm going to do this and then and you know retreating and not doing it yeah and you know finally i had to really take that track up to that pinnacle and really um take that leap of faith, which was ultimately deciding to leave corporate America and exit corporate America and, and 
jump into full entrepreneurship, which I did in May of 2022. Yeah. Congratulations on that. Thank you. What for you was the hardest thing to let go of? Hmm. I think for most people, it's really the identity that you have with your position, right? Like I was one of, I was the top, one of the top producers at my company, thousands of people. I was, I wore that with a badge of honor. I was the top producer and I had to really come to terms with why, why do you have hold so much value to that? Why is that? Why is that identity so important to you? And so, you know, that's, that was, that was really hard, like removing that, like, who are you without that identity? Who are you without being that person? Who are you without all that money? Who are you like, who, whoa, that is a question, right? Who are you without your car? Who are you without your things? Um, and so that was a really hard realization is like that look in the mirror and be like, why are you holding on to that identity so much? And that was hard because it's a lot, it's a lot, it's past, it's trauma, it's generational trauma, it's scarcity. There's a lot that comes up that has to be managed and has to be, you have to work through, which I had to do. Yeah. Well, and it, it all resonates so deeply with me because I do a very similar move. And I think you're touching on such a core point, which is identity is so wrapped into this. My good. I mean, 100%. I mean, I'm doing this work right now related to consciousness and awakening and, and really it talks very much about just living in the present, which really is living in our uh, uh, senses. Cause when you live in your senses, your five senses, you can re you can be present yeah. and your, your mind only has six places to go, your senses or your thoughts. And we all spend our time in our thoughts. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, this, this thought of identity, if we could restrip ourselves of that, we would be, I, I think there'd be so much more freedom for so many more people. So much so. And it's one of those things where, um, like, who are you without the title? Who are you without the money? Who are you without the car? And that's, I think those are the really hard conversations <laughs> that, that we need to have with ourselves. Absolutely. And recognizing that the people, the right people are going to be around you, whether you've got the best car in the world or whether you're driving a Yugo, like totally dating myself. People might not know what that car is, but it's, um, you know, in the, the right people are going to stay around you that when you've got all the clothes in the world and, you know, whatever you get what I'm saying, like, it's, it's not about having those people around you, um, that are the wrong people, but really assessing who are the, the, the right supportive community to surround yourself with, because as we all know, you're the average, of the five people you spend the most time with. And so it's really important that you audit those folks and, and choose wisely. So important. And that was obviously reinforced by your husband's reaction to the conversation that you were having with him. I mean, what, what a partner to be able to have that conversation and to know, like, I need to support you as opposed to just automatically jumping into defense mode. Oh my goodness. hundred percent. I mean, he is my biggest teacher because, you know, with all the beauty comes a lot of other stuff too, that is challenging. And so he's definitely my biggest teacher for sure. Yeah. 
we're going to cut to a break in a minute. I would love to come back. It sounds like this is about, you know, I know that we talked about this, like the lights coming on. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. but, but then needing to also, you know, an awakening is, is a moment and it doesn't mean that everything is, is changed after that. Maybe you're seeing things differently, but in order to put meaningful change into practice in your life, I'd love to spend a little bit of time about that because I think it's weighing those options and making sure that you are spending time to make the ones that are right for yourself. So does that sound good to come back? And, and I love it. Sounds okay. fabulous. All right, great. You are listening to The Courage Effect. We will be back in a minute. Hey everybody, it's Suzanne from The Courage Effect. As the seasons changed, I poked into my closet and discovered how stale my wardrobe had become. Everything felt boring and I wanted something different and fresh. I grabbed my laptop and remembered Armoire. Why not clothing rental? I could experiment with new styles from jeans to something fancy without spending a ton of money and buying clothes I would only wear a handful of times. Armoire makes clothing rental easy. Build the perfect seasonal wardrobe with brands that are unique, sustainably sourced, and owned by women. All you have to do is take the style quiz, select items from your personalized closet, and they will ship them straight to your door. Armoire allows me to indulge in high quality designer clothing with no guilt. They promote sustainability with fewer items ending up in the donation bag and landfill, and no dry cleaning fees. Trust me, your cramp closet and the environment will thank you. If you're ready to have your dream closet delivered to your door, you must try Armoire. And right now, my listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style. That's A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash the courage effect to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Armoire today. Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back to The Courage Effect. This is Suzanne, and my guest today is Sarah O'Brien Hammond. We are talking about having the courage to leave the hustle and grind mentality and the corporate life and really going out on her own was one of the things that Sarah has done. And we talked about, you know, there is a, there's the, the moment of awakening when you start to realize I'm unhappy, I need to make a change, but then it's actually starting to put that change into place. So Sarah, I'd love for you to maybe talk a little bit about how that, how that happened in your own journey and how you support women in your coaching practice to do the same. Sure. So I think the first thing that was really important to me is recognizing that I couldn't do this alone. And so the first thing I did was hire a coach because there was a reason I was staying in place. It's because I didn't have the tools and resources to figure it out on my own. And I work with so many women that I say to them, how much money have you invested in yourself? And they're like, well, I bought a book and I'm like a book. That's what that's, you know, Boy. so we invest so little in ourselves. And folks, I was 42 at that time. I had not invested anything in myself and I had been one of the top producers of my company, but still didn't invest in myself because I was like, I'm good until I wasn't right until I realized like, wait a minute, I really need somebody else to help guide me through this process. So this was not something I did on my own. And you have to take the change on by yourself. Yes, you have to take those moves that you are responsible for that. But you are also responsible for finding people that can help guide you along the way. So I hired a coach, my first coach, and she was so instrumental in helping me figure out like how detached I was from myself. And I think like that is the 
best place for people to start. And if anyone's listening that feels disgruntled or not challenged or frustrated in their work or their life, right? Either or. You really just have to turn inward because again, we we're looking, seeking external gratification, external means to make things better. And that will maybe solve it temporarily, but will never be a sustainable solution. And so you really, I had to go inward and it was hard. Like to my coach, one of the first questions my coach asked is said, she said, what makes you happy? And Suzanne, I didn't know. Wow. I was 42. I had a husband and two daughters, a quote unquote, beautiful life, lots of travel, lots of things, but I couldn't tell you what made me happy because those were things that were so dormant for so many years because I was so heads down focused on the prize, which is the next hundred thousand or the next blah, 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 or whatever it was next promotion at all at the expense and all the while getting further and further and further away from me. And when you get further away from yourself, you get further away from knowing what the heck you want. And so we really started with that happiness inventory, a happiness diary. And so I would write down what made me happy. And slowly but surely, as maybe some people know, the more you identify things that make you happy, the more you see it in life. And then the more you're able to see other things that make you happy. So that list started out really small and maybe it was, I made the subway came right when I got to the platform this morning, win, right? And then it would be, oh, 6 a.m. in New York City. There's not a better time to be in New York. The sun's coming up. It's quiet. It's beautiful. And then it was seeking out. I'd be walking down the street and I go, wow, there are so many trees in New York. Because I was too busy walking the streets to notice anything for many, many, many years. And so then it was starts to see, you start to seek those things out. And then you move to like relationships. Like, what do I want my relationship to look like with my husband? Like we are actually not taught to sit down and talk about what do we want this partnership to look like? Maybe we do before we get married, but then we get married and then life happens. And then like, we're not told it's like every other thing. You got to continually nurture it and talk about it and create a plan or else you'll continue to be frustrated, right? Because you're not clear with what you want. They're not clear with what you want. And then that just leads to disappointment for everybody. So then I just started getting clear with what I wanted from my husband. What did I want that relationship to look like? What did I want the relationship with my kids to look like? And then what did I want with my career? What kind of impact did I want to make? Who are the people I wanted to work with? What did I want? What were what were the things I actually liked doing? What were the things I wanted to continue doing? And I will say. I was in a job that served me for many, many years in the recruitment space until it stopped serving me, until I realized I had no boundaries. I was working with people that were working against me, not for me. Mm -hmm. And I was only doing the job because it paid me well. And if if you identify those three things, that is absolutely the sign that you need to look externally. And and I think part of the work too, Suzanne, I want to say is that I take responsibility too. And part of this work is recognizing the responsibility that you have and how you've um, contributed to situations. I had a lot of blame. And when I turned to my husband and said, I don't want this life. I don't want these kids. I was putting this blame on everybody, right? Which is a very textbook. I was putting the blame on everybody. Like you are not serving me. You're not serving me. And I did the same thing. I think 
at work to a certain extent. And I think I have to look at that and accept accountability for like what I was adding and contributing to those relationships. And ultimately, I decided it was better for me because I wanted to be diversifying my business more than my recruitment job allowed me, that I wanted to be doing more career and life coaching for women at at crossroads. I wanted to be doing more community creation. I wanted to be doing more recruitment, but differently than I was doing it at the firm I was working for. So ultimately it was a decision to leave on multiple, for multiple reasons, but it was a great training ground for me to be like, okay, Sarah, you have to be real cognizant of what you're contributing to a relationship and to a uh, to any situation and a partnership relationship and recognize that, that you, you're responsible for your actions and, and you have to be accountable. And so that did was a great training for me to moving forward to just be conscious of that. I think it's really important. And sometimes it's super easy to just put that blame on other people. But again, it's that mirror that I had to put on myself that like it's looking in more to be like, okay, how much are you responsible for a situation? It's such a powerful shift. And I love that you brought that up because that's one of the things when I find myself blaming, it's like, what's going on? (laughs) What, what are the things that I need to start taking responsibility for instead of like disempowering myself and saying, everything sucks. How do I actually make that change? And it sounds like that was quite a tipping point for you. Very much so. And what a beautiful point you illustrated because we are so quick to, cause it's easier. Let's just be honest. It's easy yeah. to just be like, it's her fault. It's her fault. And my life is a, a wreck because of X, Y, and Z. Right. And you actually have agency over your life. You have agency over your choices. And I am not suggesting that all situations are, are good ones. I recognize there are situations that are not good. Yeah. And you still have agency. You still have a choice. And so are you going to take responsibility and make an intentional conscious choice and, and drive the boat? Or are we just going to like cast the blame onto somebody else? And like you said, like it just, it completely takes your power away. It does not empower you. And so it's a real powerful shift, albeit not an easy one. Sometimes it gives you back the power that you so desperately deserve. It's also contagious. I mean, like, because when you're in that situation, when you're blaming other people, it's so easy, you know, like, like the, the dirty bonding, right. Where it's just sort of like, yeah, you're right. That sucks. And then like you're building and this happens in organizations all the time. And I've been there, you know, like how many times do you just align on complaining about something and you don't do anything about it. And that is one of the things that I think we all need to take responsibility for that. And to your point, it doesn't mean that everything is beautiful and and perfect. And it doesn't mean that you can just quit your job and do, you know, and and maybe you are in a bad situation, but if you're going to be there, how do you, first of all, I think cope in a way that is going to best serve you and not just the organization that you're working for, and then creating change for yourself and giving other people the ability to do that at the same time? Yes. And I... My biggest pet peeve is people that commiserate and and complain. It's like, I just don't see the value of it. I do not understand. It only rottens things. It rots things. And so organizations, relationships, like, you know, 
yeah, it's, it's just, and to be honest with you, in my, in one of my organizations I worked for, I was part of that and I contributed to that because it was disgruntled. And then, and then when you realize, oh my goodness, I'm part of this, you know, whoa, I've got to remove myself and understand that I, there's a better direction. And, and that was really powerful, I think as well. And important for people to, to recognize is that we can be, we can commiserate to a certain extent. It can be frustrating. You could, you could both share your frustrations, but there's a point you've got to move, move forward. Yeah. And not just as a leader, I mean, which is really important when you're leading teams, but as an individual. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think for sure, I've also seen it at the leadership level where they're getting in on those conversations too. And again, like talk about just soiling and rotting an organization. Like when a, when, you know, a leader just engages in that type of activity, it's just, yeah, unfortunately it, it really does just soil everything. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it, it's modeling the behavior that you don't want in the organization and people are thinking, oh, well they do that. So that's okay. And it's, yeah. So it's like collective disempowerment. Mm, 100%. It gives everyone permission to do it. And, and it's not something that is going to better anyone. And so, yeah, I think that's a really important point to make that we all have to be responsible and, and it will happen everywhere. The choice is whether or not you're going to engage. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know that we're about out of time. So I want to do a quick capture of a few things that I heard you say. You had talked about, you know, taking the time to create change and to make sure that, you know, we're actually finding our courage in that process as well. That does not happen overnight. If there is a pill for that, how great, but there is not. Um, holding on to an identity, how do we actually maybe put some practices in place to think about what, what do these things in my life mean? And are they truly bringing me joy? Um, and that story about happiness, I mean, that is, that's really gut-wrenching, right? When you realize I can't list what's making me happy right now, that is definitely a moment for some serious reflection and finding the right people to help you through the journey. It's, it's, it's about taking accountability for your, your own part in it, but also making sure that the right people are there to go along with you. So Sarah, brava to you for all of, you know, your own personal journey and the courage that it's taken and for you supporting other women to do the same. Thank you, Suzanne. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you for having this platform for women to share their courage. And we're it's inspiring and we're all learning from you. So thank you for the magic you put into the world. I appreciate that. And thank you for all that you do and driving change in the world. And it's been such a pleasure. So everybody, thank you for being here. Sarah's information will be on the website, which is thecourageeffect.com. Stay courageous. We will talk to you again soon.